This is the Dennis Miller Option. Your source of opinions, stories, and laughs from comedian and inactivist Dennis Miller, his guy Friday Christian Blatt, and superstar producer Lindsay Floyd. And now, it's him, Dennis Miller. Hey folks, um, doing a couple of these today. And uh, my dear friend, you know I love Carvey like a brother, uh, has decided to call in. Denny we'll M. just chew the fat a little, brother. This is the weirdest thing ever. What have you been doing? Oh, distancing, man. <laughs> I actually, I was hiking in Griffith Park. I don't know if it's closed. And on kind of a tight trail. And this guy mm-hmm. came so around the corner. And um, he's just barreling down the hill. I wouldn't run down that hill, you know? And he, as he's coming toward me, he goes, six feet, dude. Fuck. Really? And then I'm yelling down the trail because my passive aggressive side came out. You shouldn't be running down the trail. You're spreading your, your disease all down the trail, you know? Right. Breathing heavy. You know, one thing I can tell you, one of the things you can't look for as far as a symptom is assholes remain assholes. It doesn't de-asshole assholes. That's what I'm finding out. I'm just, I love the daily, like two hours he's going off on I mean that those are fantastic with Fauci oh, he's great. and Pence. Yeah, I, honest to God, I think he's doing a great job. Let me tell you, I do too. Let me tell you, Chinaman <laughs> ate a bat, okay, that had sex, intercourse, whatever you, whatever you're saying, with a skunk, <laughs> and then had sex or intercourse with a pig. Not good, not good. <laughs> Doctor Fauci will speak to this <laughs> every day. He hands off stuff to the front. It's almost like uh, it's almost like the stuff that Steve Rossi had to gather and put a bow on when Marty Allen was done with it. You know. Like, <laughs> <Steve> <laughs> Rossi. Well, here's my questions for Fauci. Do you know more than I know? Like you've been there 30 years, head of the CDC. Bill Gates comes out with a YouTube video, TED Talk in 2015, laying out the entire scenario. Did you see it? One. What did you think of it? Was it true at all? This is apolitical. It goes over all administrations. Are you shocked? Did you know we weren't prepared? And did you do, why didn't you go on 60 Minutes? Did you tell anyone? Or, I mean, don't you have a lot of, they never ask him any questions. I just want to know, do I know what you know? And, And I'm not mad. I don't care. But do I, a comedian, sometimes impressionist, from Hollywood, are we on par in 2015 as to what we're thinking in terms of a coronavirus? Are we peers? I just want to know. Now, see, what I hear there mm-hmm. is you're very mad in every way except displaying anger. Exactly. It's called passive-aggressive. Because I know you, and I know you build your case and act measured. Yes. You would have been a great attorney. Yes. But uh, here's my thoughts. Uh, Fauci was there during the H1N1. Mm-hmm. And we did lose 12,469 people to it. We're at 477 mm-hmm. today. I divided that. It's 3.8% of the deaths so far. Mm. Now, some people are going to say, you're, you're silly to think that matters. And everybody's got to pick what matters to them at any given moment. I'm not heartened by that, but I'm certainly watched footage. I've got three clips that I put on uh, my computer screen. It's funny to me. You can save things, and I'll watch how they praise Obama. 12,469 deaths. Mm-hmm. And they're just talking about what a wizard job he's done. And now Trump is literally uh, being treated like, uh, you know, Mengele experimenting on the American people. And we've got 477 deaths at this point. And 
I, I know it's not perfect. I know there are some people who literally believe if Biden was in there, we would not have one death. I just I, I can't play nah. those games. At the, I think nah, I think the very least we should have now is all pretension uh, should be stripped away about getting together and just admit candor. Just be candor. Yeah. You know, I, that's all I want to hear. I, I don't think I think it's at 477 deaths and that's better for me uh, mm-hmm. by, by around 12,000 than what it was 10 years ago. Well, I don't want to spread disinformation, but my sources of people who talk to a lot of doctors and doctors just anecdotally to me just said, um, yeah, the malaria thing is really, really helpful. And I've taken that. You've taken it? I've taken that, folks, and I've taken both those uh, uh, drugs in the last few months. Um, I take Losartan every day of my life for the last... 10 years since I was pronounced to have high blood pressure. Now my blood pressure is good. The last time mm. I got a measured car was like 110 over 78. So I'm a 66-year-old guy. So wow. my blood pressure is good. And, you know, I went to India and China. And uh, uh, when I was, uh, what, what was that, two months ago? I, I was, uh, And uh, for part of that trip, there were a couple of places where malaria was rife, and I took that. I've taken both those drugs, and I can tell you the first night of the malaria drug, um, I had uh, a crazy nightmare, like you do with anything you take for the first time, it seems. You know, I've had that with other things. Mm -hmm. And uh, I I would just say that uh, there's been a long testing. (laughs) You know, they talk about how they have to go through these criteria and all that, but I think that malaria drug's been around for ages. And like I said, I don't know if Lasartan was made the day before I started taking it. That's at least a 10-year trial we've been watching, and I don't feel anything from that. And uh, I've taken both those drugs, and I've taken both of them in the last 60 days. Well, it makes sense to me, because I know as much as Fauci, (laughs) but is that at the the very onset, where people use Tamiflu if it's right at the onset, and I don't know if that works with the coronavirus, but in terms of that morphine drug with a fancy name, an inhaler, and I guess a Z-Pak, like when you first get the symptoms, you don't go to the hospital, you just get them. I don't know. That guy, that actor from Lost was pretty compelling on Instagram. Yeah. That's the other thing I saw turn up, right? You're right, Carve the Z Pack. So that's yeah. the only one I haven't taken yet. But how many of those you taken in your life? I've taken at least a dozen of those. I've taken it tons. So this idea that when it first attacks your system that you're fighting right back as opposed to waiting seems good. Now I don't wanna start a panic. I don't know how, you know. <laughs> Well, this is the crazy world we have to live in now. Most of our time is spent with caveats, and uh, it's so silly. We really did turn into a bunch of pussies. uh, Yeah, I mean, it's just we can't predict to be a little, bring a little levity to it, how each president, (laughs) ladies and gentlemen, because I want to make people smile, how they would have dealt with it. George Bush Sr., coronavirus, coming to get ya. No exterior movement, stay interior. No no exterior movement coming at you. Left and right, clamping on tight, going on down. Pressure, heat, fever, <laughs> sore. Shut the fuck up. All right, that's all I got. Uh, let's see, uh, W, we gotta hunker down. We gotta hunker uh. down. I've always, I've always been good at hunkering down. That's what you got to do is find some hunker and get on down. <laughs> That's pretty good, okay? Uh, Clinton, uh, Clinton uh, this is uh, 
I do feel anxious. I do have a free-floating anxiety issue that makes me behave in many ways. And I'm just saying, if you feel anxious, there are, there are remedies you can do in riding your own house, ways to release that anxiety, that, that, what, that feeling of being in a, a, a fist fight for, for an hour or two, that, that tightness in your chest. And there are many, many ways, some creative, that you can release that. And then finally, President Obama. Here's, here's the point. Get somewhere, and then don't go anywhere. Get somewhere. If you're somewhere, if you're nowhere, get somewhere. And then don't go anywhere. That's all I'm saying. Get somewhere, <laughs> and don't go anywhere, right? I think he's got a good point. I'm going to get somewhere, and I feel less anxious even just like talking about it right now. <laughs> I'll just do this for the people. I don't want to be all Dr. Dr. Dark. Oh, Carvey. You're, uh, you're quite a tonic to me, Dana Carvey. Isn't it fun? <laughs> Listen, I really, I, I, I don't like to put anybody on the spot about Trump, but let, let's put it this way. I think Trump's doing as well as any of these other people you just mentioned or, uh, would have done or Biden. I, I just, I, oh, yeah. And I, I do find that Trump needs less rest and less food, it would appear, than most people. And uh, I don't understand his physicality and his energy up there because he, he's a big guy and he's standing there. His face looks really, he looks really hot, but he's just always has the energy and I think that you know everybody whatever anyone thinks of Trump uh, he's definitely thinks outside the box and he breaks the rules and you know we're just gonna do this so in this kind of thing I think it may play to some of his strengths now I know that's might make people levitate in the room but um, the fact that he is so candid up there um, going off for, I, I've just never seen anything like it. On Romney. But yeah, I don't think he's... That that just dropped me when he said Romney. Oh, the Romney one. <laughs> yeah. Silly. Oh, Romney, Romney got the, uh, the coronavirus. Oh, he did, huh? Okay. That's good. I mean, that's bad. That's really, uh, <laughs> that's really sad. Let me tell you, have you noticed his voice change? Uh, you who have the perceptive ear, is Trump's voice changing? Is he sound more tired or is anything? Is he sitting on a load of pissed off that he got this plunked in his lap? Or what, what do you hear? I think this is him being, you know, serious and somber. So when he reads for a long period of time, his voice is much lower. He goes like this until a reporter says something. I tell him, you're a lousy reporter. That's what I tell him. Excuse me. Excuse me. We're doing many things. We have things going. There's remedies like you haven't believed many people are saying. We've got the medicine, the, the ship is a good ship. It's got beds. People have seen, they've never <laughs> seen beds. You know what's interesting to me is, and it's not Arnold Schwarzenegger, because oh, Paul and I are watching his things. And we both said, wow, he's kind of like Trump in that there's this simplicity that he brings to stuff. It's, it's, it's because he was talking about all you people down there, you party animals down there, you spring breakers and you're drinking. And, and here's the Trump part and doing all these things. That, that's very Trump. People are doing things, many things, a lot of things. They're saying many things and a lot of things. <laughs> and Arnold, yeah, you're down there, you're drinking and you're having sex on the beach and all these things like that. That they're very similar. Arnold developed every muscle outside of the backbone. You know, when he got rolled on those three, uh, what do they call it in the, uh, California when you vote on propositions? Mm -hmm. 
He lost three or four props, and uh, plus I think he had obviously some sort of secret life on the home front, and he just rolled over. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, you know, he and Greta Thunberg are Batman and Robin, the guy who literally made the uh, the, the big gas guzzlers the biggest thing in the world. Yeah. So he's trying to level his karma, and he's got to fit into the party circuit and all that. But I don't, I don't, I find Arnold has some similarities. I'm amazed at Trump refusing to break or bend. To these people uh in today's climate when you know he'll never ever ever bend or break it's really interesting because he's literally mm-hmm. the only person doing it that i know of of a public figure the only one there's only one him that won't ever kind of well i might have offended i might have offended i'm sorry people think but you know i make a lot of choices i do a lot of things we're doing good folks we have a good shot okay we can make this mm-hmm. what about uh bernie's you know, people always say, "What did Bernie do wrong?" He did nothing. They just dropped a dime on him. That's how tough. That's how tight a ship they run over there. They got right up to the third rail. Knew he'd get crushed. Yeah, he'd certainly get crushed. Like more than Biden's crushing him right now. As soon as they threw the switch, you've got quite frankly, uh, Biden's an idiot. I don't know if it's medical idiot or just full of himself idiot, but he's an idiot. And all of a sudden, he's thirty points up on Bernie. And uh, you know, people. I think it's like a fever dream. When you look back, you think, geez, were they really thinking about... I, I think it'll happen with Biden, too. I don't think they'll go ahead with him. But uh, There's something not quite right with Joe's brain. Well, he, he did hurt his head ages ago, didn't he? Or he had some subdurable... Yeah, he had some medical issues. I, you can see where he... It, he wants to be extemporaneous. Like he's, I'm going off here. Mm. And then he starts for a sec, and then it all... It all goes to mush it's really painful to watch yeah he queues up want to go off but he doesn't pay it off yeah it's like how many of those jokes you remember when dane cook was selling eighteen thousand seats and i thought the fuck is this guy doing this and i watched one of them it was all in these long setups and then he'd get to and let me tell you and uh Mm -hmm. you know guys and girls should go dutch or something you know the payoff was such weak cheese (laughs) the fact of the matter is the fact is number one Number one, my name is Joe Hussein Barack Obama Biden Jojo. <laughs> my literally name. So it's Joe Hussein Barack Obama Jojo. Barack Obama Biden Jojo. <laughs> so I'm doing Trump now. Living with chronic pain is the worst. It's more than a feeling of discomfort. It grinds. It affects your whole life. Many of my listeners probably have some type of pain that has prevented them from relaxing or sleeping or stopped them from exercising. Perhaps it's been ongoing for a few weeks now and hasn't improved with any of the treatments they've tried. I, uh, well, on the outside of my right knee, I must have stepped in a hole when I was young because my left knee is really good on a long hike. My right knee gets some sort of pain on the, right on the bone on the outside. And I think I might have stretched it or something back when, locked it out so to speak. Enter Omax Health. If you're looking to get rid of nagging muscle and joint pain immediately while providing long-lasting recovery, then you need to try the natural breakthrough pain relief solution cryo-free CBD roll-on developed by Omax Health. This non-prescription triple-action pain relief roll-on is specifically formulated to block pain receptors, reduce inflammation, and improve muscle and joint flexibility. The best part is This 100% natural CBD-powered remedy works its magic within 10 minutes of application and relief lasts up to 8 hours. 
much longer than the -the over-the-counter products. Omax Health is also offering my listeners 20% off a full bottle of cryo-free CBD pain relief roll-on plus free shipping. This account also applies towards any product site-wide. Just go to omaxhealth.com today and enter code Miller. That's O-M-A-X health.com. Enter code Miller to get 20% off cryo-freeze and anything else site-wide. Still not sold? What? I can tell you pro athletes such as PGA golfer Kyle Stanley use cryo-free CBD to recover on and off the course. And go look at the product reviews. They've got 95% five-star reviews, page after page of customers saying they've tried everything. And Omax CryoFreeze is so good, they are now buying it for their family and friends, too. Anyone from athletes to Grandma Josie can benefit from this immediate pain relief. You have pain that won't go away, and then you qualify for Omax CryoFree. Simply roll it over where it hurts, ice out the pain. No messy creams or horrible fragrances like some of the other products. CryoFreeze works within 10 minutes of application, improving physical training, recovery, and performance. So go to OmaxHealth.com, enter code MILLER to get 20% off CryoFreeze and site-wide. I'm telling you, this product is the real deal. So go to omaxhealth.com and enter code Miller to get 20% off and site wide. Have you seen Jojo uh, Rabbit? Jojo Rabbit? Yeah. I've not. People tell me to see it. Oh, car. There's a funny Hitler guy. Is I think you'd love it. I assume it's brilliant. I, I love it. No, everyone tells me it's brilliant. And uh, how do I convince my wife to watch it, ladies and gentlemen? Well, it's very touching. And very sweet and kind of darkly funny. Okay, I will check it out tonight. I never asked Christian, my sidekick. Christian, have you seen it and did you like it? Yes, I saw it and I loved it. I thought Taika Waititi as uh, Adolf Hitler was uh, hysterical, which is not something I ever expected to say about a movie. (laughs) No, the Hitler guy is like Spade and just shoot me. You know, he comes in and uh, nibbles on the fringes of the scene and is very funny. Hmm. You know, remember how Spade used to cruise in to... The George Siegel. Oh, yeah. Laura St. Giacomino <laughs> sitcom. Yeah. He was the Fonz of that show, but he didn't get Fonzie <laughs> coin. No. So I slipped into a little I think he, uh, Dennis. I, I think he got a taste on uh, uh, stilted development or whatever the hell it was. No. Uh, arrested development. He could have got a taste, but, you know. Yeah, you know folks, can I tell you, showbiz is, uh, you'd be shocked. Uh, you, you know, it, when you find out what people are making sometimes, right? I mean, I heard, I, I, ever since Danny Aykroyd told me he made $650 a week doing SNL, oh, yeah. do you remember how big it was? Well, we I started, because I did the year after you, and it was 4500 an episode. Right. So it was 20 Um. so what is that, 80 grand, 85 grand or something? 90 grand? Well, 45 times 20 is around 90 grand. 90 grand. And so even in those days, the commission, so say you keep 50, and my rent was uh, like 1750. Uh, exorbitant. Yeah, 1800. So I think I kind of broke even flying back and forth. And yeah, it was a wash. Your apartment was so nice, though, Carl. That li- I, I was right across the street from him. You remember that fuck cat with a kettle drum? Mm-hmm. Who would go? I actually went down in my pajamas one night at twelve thirty and said, "Hey, listen, pal, this isn't Port-au-Prince. You got to. Fu- I'm trying to fucking sleep up there." <laughs> oh yeah. Well, you know, you remember that sound? Boing boing boing. 
Carvey was right above the theaters <laughs> in a super nice condo. I had bought a place across mm-hmm. the street, caught on fire once. And mm. uh, I was out of there. I was the first guy out with my kid and my wife on the street. It was freezing. And my wife was looking at me going, why are we out here? And I go, I smelled smoke. Next thing you know, the whole front of the building's <laughs> on fire. And everybody's, you know, flooding out. Except the people are trapped above. They get the fire out. But I, to this day, if I, you know, want to turn her on, I'll say, I got us out of that fire. <laughs> I played Ukiah once. I think John Ross was my opening act, and there was a fire in the middle of the night in the hotel. And we all poured into the street at 3 a.m. I'm not sure if Ellen DeGeneres was on that run. She might have been the, the MC or something. I don't know. We all came out into the streets of Ukiah at 3 a.m. In the streets of Ukiah, I'm going to have me some fun. Hey, have you in seen... In the streets of Ukiah... Oh, sorry. Have you seen uh, Echoes in the Canyon about... the? Uh, Everybody up in Crosby still. Oh, yeah. Yeah, loved it. I thought Carvey would love this because Neil uh, Neil Young is, I almost said Neil Armstrong, Neil Young is the most switched on primitive I've ever seen. They show him (laughs) and he almost looks like uh, some sort of connective tissue, Piltdown Man or something. But then the stuff he starts playing is so fucking amazing. It's What a genius he is, huh? He's... Yeah, I saw him one time play solo live with his guitar and people started clapping or something and he just stopped. I, I can't, no, uh, <laughs> you're throwing me off. So there's some sense that he, when he locks in, it is a zone that he goes into, but yeah. Um, David Crosby just said that Neil, you know, cause Crosby stills and Nash are no slouches, but he said that Neil could just reach up and pull it down from the gods, you know, some of those songs. I don't know if you've seen, now as a backup to that, I so liked that thing. And there's another, I think that's the one, uh, there's another one, a salute to that music by Jacob Dylan. Bob's son does a cool thing that he hosts. Yeah, and then there's I also, thirdly, a, a David Crosby documentary that's an absolute heartbreaker. Have you seen it? I saw, yeah, I saw all three of those. I almost, uh, you know, I called my friend John Corbett who's friends with him. And I said, geez, man, I, I never got David quite from afar, but the, the self truth in that thing, I said, can we have lunch? And I, I haven't heard back from him because the shit's hit the fan, but I, I just, for Crosby to look right at a camera, it was like Ilya Kazan's yeah. uh, autobiography where he talked about what a small man he was because he had sex with a friend's wife while she was pregnant because you know, he said, little Gadge had to put a seed on his best friend's spawn. You know, it's like so crazy, self-indicting. And uh, it wasn't quite to that level in the Crosby thing, but he was just so candid about how he's an asshole. Uh, yeah, when everybody doesn't want to talk to you. When I lived in Encino, to facing on Rancho Street, had a little house out there. To the left was this surgeon at UCLA. And then Pat Benatar was next door. David Crosby mm-hmm. was next to her. And Graham Nash was around the corner. So I did get to know David Crosby a little bit in the 90s, and we had a lot of fun. I just knew the nice guy side of him, and then he had his liver transplant done by the surgeon who lived next door to us, uh, Dr. Gitnick, I think. And we had lunch there, and he had a big piece of angel food cake, and he said, this is my last vice. I got nothing else. So it was like, a that's the world's hippest cul-de-sac. It sounds like a Knott's Dwadnum. Uh, landing or something. Like that. <laughs> I think Tom Petty was around there. 
I'd like to move out somewhere where you can just build stuff and not have it cost a billion dollars, you know? Well, come up here because you're the last guy between me and Crosbyville. <laughs> you got a nice toddling town up there. What was that joke used to about Beirut? <laughs> What's that? I can't remember. Beirut, that's a toddling town, you know, the building. I was there a second ago. I don't know. You don't remember some a toddling <laughs> town was the funny part. Beirut, that's a toddling town. <laughs> <laughs> Who uses toddlin? <laughs> I think I was doing something about how uh, all, all the difference between the Western world and the Eastern world is uh, all their walls are, uh, you know, in disarray. Like Carol reads the Third Man, and all every one of our walls, even the ones in disarray, have an ATM. And <laughs> you know, like, yeah, even our half walls that have been blown up, you can still get money on yeah. an ATM. First world, baby. Mm-hmm. Now, um, how's your physical regimen? Uh, I hear you're still hiking, right? I'm still going out every day. I did yeah. uh, four miles yesterday. Mm -hmm. I'm going to do five today, I think. If they keep Griffith Park open, I'll do that. I'm going to try to get to 65 push-ups before my 65th birthday. So I'm coming up with fitness goals. You mean serious ones you go all do you touch your areolas on the floor <laughs> no that's a, those are past parallel because i often abrade i've had such I, I almost have to wear a nip guard because i'm so deep into my uh push-ups now uh by the end of it i have the the rouge areola and i don't there's no place I can go with that right now. There used to be an off-the-grid doctor <laughs> down here who had a salve for that, but now I'm stuck. Just from push-ups, because you're, you're barrel-chested like Steve Prefontaine, and it just hits the carpet. <laughs> you're like a young Jerry Lingren. <laughs> no, 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 like Miguel Indurane on the Altuez, where you would look at him from <laughs> what? the back, and it was like an, in, it was an inverted bellows going up the... Jesus, you got more athleticism than Sonny Six Killer. <laughs> Hey, Liz Warren, what's the fucking haircut that looks like Miguel Indurain's bike helmet? Um, Sonny Sixkiller, of course, the Washington uh, yes. quarterback. You did that once, and that dropped me. 20 years ago, you, you referenced Sonny Sixkiller. Yeah, I did throw a Sonny Sixkiller out. I can't remember what that was in. That killed me. Still makes me laugh that anyone would think of that. Well, these are the references that have kept me firmly planted on the mean line as far as the approbation of the nation. I know. Uh, half hates it. I'm probably a little more than half hates it now because I've lost the age thing. I put up what I thought was a good joke the other night, and I ended up in uh, <laughs> Ratioville, as they call it, on the Internet. And I thought it was a pretty good joke, but Christian, what do you think went awry there? What was the joke? It was about uh, the White House press corps, which I had just watched dis disgrace themselves in my eyes. Uh, they were now going back to their day jobs being overly astounded by tailgate kick plates on Chevy trucks. You know, those fucking commercials for everybody <laughs> that stands right That's amazing. You, you can't beat youth and sexuality, you know. You were a sex symbol in the 90s, I, I, 80s, 90s, you know. I mean, I can... It was hard. We, I can, it was hard. There's, they were interviewing this woman. I didn't know who she was. She'd been on one of the talent shows pretty 21 or 22 very sweet and innocent and then they just said well what do you think of the fact that your songs have gotten over a billion views and then i checked my twitter account i got 81 likes i went oh i get it okay thanks for the message that's i i understand now i'm like the guy in the movie that goes into the room and sees in the bright box and sees the alien energy and then comes out you should see it it's beautiful 
I understand now. <laughs> it's okay. Like Keir Delay in yeah. 2010. There's something, something wonderful coming. Something wonderful. It's made of stars. <laughs> I see stars. I see stars. That's oh, I love that part of that movie. Um, I saw it four times at the Arclight. Guilty pleasure when it came back. And the final time... Oh, Carve, you do love it. When you get into a movie, you really get into a movie. I just find it just makes me feel something that I can't describe. I know you love uh, uh, how, how many times uh, Once Upon a Time in... Eleven. Hollywood. You're topped out for a bit now, right? Well, we're taking a break. We went... Uh, this is our go-to five for me and my wife connecting. And this is recent times, Sound of Music. Mm-hmm. Uh, I got really into that. I think that's a work of genius for what it is. And I don't really like musicals. I tried My Fair Lady in Oklahoma... But that one really got me. I haven't seen it, Carve. Should I watch it? Yeah, I think the... The old one. Sound of Music with Julie Andrews and uh, <laughs> the other guy. I think I saw... Uh, you know how they always knock these famous movies off for... Uh, I, I think I saw a porn one of it uh, about the Von Claps or something. Oh, yeah. Sound of Pubics or something. <laughs> it's the, the arc of the romance and how they build it. And how it, you know, and then the songs are just right. stunning. So, Sound of Music. Sound of Music, Out of Africa. You know, one that we we saw again recently, and I really think has just really holds up is a movie called Descendants with George Clooney. Have you seen it? Mm-hmm. About Hawaii, that real estate. Yeah. Like the young girl's great. Yeah, that's really good. And, you know, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is our latest one. Mm-hmm. What about you? What's uh, Carolyn and Dennis's top five for a date night? Let's watch it again. Well, I can always watch Howard Hawks, uh, Christian Nyby, uh, The Thing. Mm-hmm. I can always watch that. I can always watch Lawrence of Arabia. Yes. I enjoy Local Hero with Peter Riegert and your friend, Burt Lancaster. Mm-hmm. And uh, let's see. I like... Um, War of the Worlds, uh, mm-hmm. and I like Journey to the Center of the Earth. But those aren't all my wife's films. My wife right. would prefer uh, To Kill a Mockingbird yeah. thrown in there. And uh, But, you know, I'm, I've been watching a lot of films, and I've been trying to do some documentaries here just to learn, learn some things. Mm-hmm. And uh, I've been watching some cooking shows. So, listen, folks, imagine if we didn't have the... Finally, I'm starting to see the validity of the claim that we have 500 stations. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like... You always heard that, and you thought, yeah, it seems like they're around the constancy of around 18 of them have good stuff on. But there really is. I got this thing, BritBox, and Jesus, you can't believe the content you have at your fingertips now. Hmm. Like everything that's ever been on British TV. Have you watched Queer Eye for the Straight Guy? Mm-mm, no. There's some episodes of that that are just jaw-droppingly emotional. Uh, it's just five dudes going in trying to help poor people uh it's surprisingly really affecting hmm. is, is you mean the newest one or the oldest one i mean i think they have like eight seasons now yeah just look at anyone yeah they're just very uplifting oh i thought there was i thought it was on ages ago when i i think they have new episodes oh, okay. now okay. i think they go to japan or something i don't know but that was surprisingly good paul and i last night watched jeopardy uh of uh, 2019 and we've never felt less intelligent in our life. That show is... Can you just watch that show, Dennis, with your, your brain and just get guess everyone? I mean, you, you must be very good at it, I would assume. No, I'll be candid, Carve. I, I, 
I'll be candid. I never went on the celebrity one. They'd asked me because I wasn't that good at it. I, I don't know if it's, uh, if my, uh, Rolodex takes one extra millisecond to, you know, I'll, mm-hmm. I'll get to a lot of the answers, but not as quick as each of the three individuals will. And I think, Oh my God, I'd be one of those guys locked out. And so I think I had a scintilla of a nanosec slower than guys like Ken Jennings or that guy from Vegas was unbelievable. And therefore, I think you can be reasonably knowledgeable. I, th- I think I have some cult- pop culture knowledge. I'm not being a jerk, you know, and acting like I, mm-hmm. I don't, but I don't have the, I seem to get it a, uh, just a beat after they do. You can be sitting there with zero, right? Even if you know shit. Mm-hmm. So uh, I, I don't watch but, it all that much. Yeah, it's just kind of brain candy. But it was there's a nerve reflex or something going on because someone's not getting any of them and then they get one. And then they tend to get three or four in a row. You know, there's this relaxation that happens. Oh, know? that's interesting. So it's cl- there's a yeah. clinical aspect of it, too. I think to relaxing and doing a lot, you know, it's kind of like stand-up. We're talking to the great Dana Carvey, folks. And uh, Carvey, you pitching anything now? Yeah, I guess there's nothing to pitch right now, is there? You're, you got something? Up? I'll be in line at Trader Joe's at 4.30 uh, in West Hollywood. <laughs> I'm available. I'll be six feet from anybody else. Um well, yeah, let's synchro- is... synchronize our Prime Minister Botha white courtesy phones. Prime Minister <laughs> Botha, white courtesy phone. Oh, yes. Oh, don't be afraid. I've oh, I miss Robin, man. Huh? Yeah, I miss so these are crazy times. Oh. <laughs> and f- finally, you would just go, yes. What about when you'd get a phone call and those rhythms would be on the other end? I'd get, oh. I'd get such a big smile on my face when I'd pick the phone. You'd, uh, and I'm not trying to paint like we were daily, but you know, maybe once a year or something, if I hadn't talked to Robin, he'd pick mm-hmm. the photo and go, huh? Your boss? Yeah. Oh, I know. He has a very distinct. I just, it took me meeting him in 1976 when I was in college <laughs> and then getting to know him like a year before he died. It took me a long time to really grasp how confident on stage. He was and how shy and different off stage because it just seemed mm-hmm. so extreme. But he was like, "Oh, boss!" He called me boss. <laughs> I was like, "Oh, boss!" I don't. know. I, boss. I see you guys towards the end in my mind's eye, at least, up in a town, uh, some sort of t- square in Marin. Wasn't there a small theater there? You guys were mm-hmm. doing. We played the little theater up there a lot, called the Throckmorton. Together was John Fox in charge. Well, didn't there used to be a guy in Marin in Mill called John Fox? Yeah, he did the comedy competition. This was Mark Pitta kind of ran the uh, Tuesday night showcase there. Incredible theater, three hundred seats, always packed. Oh wow! Uh, highly educated, and uh, Robin would come by a lot. So th- that's the most time I spent with him was that last year before he went down to do the TV show. You know. Um, before he passed, so. And yeah. and uh, he had the, I know the TV show threw him for a loop, but I also mm-hmm. think, geez, Robin in his prime would have shirked that off, I think, the, just the existential part of it. But he, he had this, uh, what was it called again? Bare body, B-A-R-R-E. Oh, Louis body d- dementia. So it, it, and it was extreme, and, you know, by the point, toward the end, I mean, he was hallucinating and, you know, I mean, it, well, he was not in his right mind with that, you know, and um, one of the sweetest souls you'd ever meet them. Uh, some of the funnest nights of my life going to the Holy City Zoo with him mm-hmm. or over to the other 
And you remember that long window at the other and they'd leave yeah. it open for him and people would just file past and his retrieval drawer on like yeah. condensing them down into a stereotype as they would just riffing. Yeah. It was so fucking funny. He had yeah. me laughing once. He was doing a Larry King thing. And what he would eventually he had a brilliant nub to start the bits, but when he got exhausted on something, it would get really existential. And he was doing Larry uh, picking up phone calls uh, from odd cities with weird names, you know, and, and it, he did it for like five minutes. It was one of those March to Batan things where he just right. wouldn't give it up, and it eventually became a Leopold Oshkosh, you know. And mm-hmm. <laughs> I used to do, uh, I never took you to play with this one. <laughs> this is a long time ago. That eventually Larry King's city sounded like uh, diseases. Creeping Rash, Minnesota. unidentified mark wisconsin you're on (laughs) what's that boil rhode island rhode island that's the whole whole thing i saw larry last week oh how is he well you know um he asked me to sit in last year on his Mm -hmm. uh show when he was sick and now he's back doing two days week and they've given the other two days oh what am i telling you you were nice enough that's nice it's a fun larry came in our shows were overlapping Mm -hmm. and i talked to him sharp as a tack he had his kid with him his kid's like the the handsomest kid in the world i I think you'll see him in hollywood or something i know he was a pitcher for a while yeah uh, but uh i think the baseball runs over but uh, chance i think yeah yeah and larry and him were so sweet and uh I said something to Larry. I can't remember. I made him laugh. I said, you're the Siddhahara O of stickball. And he was laughing. <laughs> I'm just saying, Larry, you know, he always, when I think of Larry, I think of him and guys like Billy Crystal and Tony Curtis on the stoops in Brooklyn when they're young. Oh, yeah. Playing just, stickball. And he had the earpiece on. I remember doing his show back in the day, and he would arrive kind of when I did and kind of leave when I did. You know, he just... There was no prep. They just put the earpiece in and he didn't, you know, he, but he did have that natural, curious follow-up question thing down. Fantastic. Still does. So you, so you think you're having a good time? You know, I, mean, I told you that time I was in a restaurant in Beverly Hills and all of a sudden he's sitting next to me and he's got his phone out. Call my wife and tell her, tell her you're Ross Perot. <laughs> this is like just a couple years ago call my wife and so i so i did it it was and i just picked it up and said not larry has had one too many cocktails someone's got to pick him up this this is not can, can i finish one time and again he was laughing so hard he just turned purple oh you know. my god he was always a nice guy did i ever tell you that nate now story with uh with uh shecky green shecky green and oh who what <laughs> Oh, this is a crazy story. I go to get looked at for veneers for my teeth way back mm-hmm. when. And I'm going over on whatever that street is that the famous deli Nate and Al's is. I get there. I think I have an 11 o'clock appointment. It turns out it's noon. So mm. I'm sitting there and uh, I see the famous Nate and Al's. Have you heard of it, Carve? It's like I think so. Yeah. Canters, mm-hmm. uh, but more in, over in the Beverly Hills area. So I go in to have breakfast, and uh, I had met Shecky Green once for a few minutes. I see Shecky in the corner with a young guy, and the guy's looking very devotedly at uh, Shecky and taking notes, so I assume it's some sort of interview thing. I sit down, and I order hmm. scrambled eggs with onions and lox and uh, potatoes. I'm, I want to have a 
you know, great old Nate and Al's breakfast. Mm. And um, my order comes. I ask for ketchup uh, for my scrambled eggs. I know, not for the locks. Don't go I crazy. Like it. But I like it. Uh, people out mm-hmm. there, but lock, ketchup on your locks. No, it's not my scrambled eggs. So um, they bring the ketchup, and it's a glass bottle, and it's suction sealed. Shecky's walking out now with the kid uh, who turns out to be a reporter who's doing a story on him. He comes up to my table to say hi. Uh, the last thing I do before I reach out to take his hand is crack the bottle. The bottle's under some sort of weird pressure or else I've been punked. It shoots ketchup all over this white linen shirt I have. <laughs> all down, ex- explodes like a bottle of champagne. Yeah. And I've got a yeah. beautiful white <laughs> shirt on. It explodes. Checky, without missing a beat, grabs my hand, looks at the kid, and he says, I told you it was funny. It's <laughs> 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 just perfect timing. And no, no, like, whoa, what the? Just real low key. I heard that he woke up one day, like he was a, yeah, as people may not know, like the, you know, Mr. Vegas improv for hours guy. I heard he woke up one day and just said, I got stage fright. Couldn't do it anymore. Is that true? Can't go out. Yeah. Couldn't leave the house. Oh, agoraphobia, everything. Yeah, he got that bad. I think he got some handle on it later. Mm. Forget the stage. I mean, he couldn't leave the house. And you're right, wow. Dana. This is a guy who'd come, you know, he was the first guy I saw do those uh, run across the stage, yeah. dive onto his chest, and slide off into the pit. I mean, <laughs> Shecky was, uh, you know... Jackie, when he was on it, man, even, you know, the uh, Bobby Marancini and the chimps would come into the room to watch. That's how good it was. (laughs) Can you write these down for me or email me later? (laughs) My bedtime reading. But, yeah, he told me, he said he just could not leave the house. And that always leads you back to that great Sinatra story that everybody knows by now. But I have to say, just because I have fun saying it, Mm -hmm. Frank Sinatra. Save my life. Now, here's the weird code on this. I'll get to the end of the story, and you think it's apocryphal. Frank Sinatra saved my life one night outside the Fontainebleau Hotel. Six guys were stomping me to death, and Frank said, hey, that's enough. And uh, I always thought it was a joke. And in the interim, I've read stories. Checky and he were at contretemps at loggerheads, and some guys were beating the fuck out of him. Sinatra told him to stop. It wasn't even a joke. Wow. <laughs> Those guys lived a life. It took my breath away because when uh, Shecky told me that, I laughed. And uh, now I look back on it, he must have thought I was crazy. But maybe he understood that it sounded so crazy that it sounded like a great joke, right? Yeah. It wasn't. Did they have something wired or did we miss something? You know, because you go play Vegas and then you're just in your hotel room watching TV ordering a sandwich. I mean, they're banging broads and, you know, doing right. crack and staying up all night. I mean, did we miss something that we should have done or something? They wrapped the one thirty show at 3 and Dean jumping into the pit and dealt blackjack till 6. Yeah. Where Louis Millstone met them and they shot pickups on Ocean's Eleven, took a yeah. spa, hit bed at 4. <laughs> hit bed at 4 the next day, yeah. woke up at 6, had a mimosa, you know, shot craps Crazy. for three hours, shot shot Ocean's Eleven for forty five <laughs> minutes, went to uh, Nikki Nikki Whistler's house, did some crack, <laughs> dipped in the pool. Carol and then, Burnett uh, told me once she snuck into the steam room. She was working in Vegas. 
snuck and into the steam room. Well, that's the punchline. Carol Burnett snuck into the steam room. She told me that she said to the guy, um, she, you know, they had said, hey, Carol, good to see you. Know, they, everybody, like, touched base when they were in Vegas back then. It was a smaller town. Mm -hmm. She knew they steamed from a certain time each day. And she said she went over and put, like, the guy's white... Uh, you know, like the room service guy delivers in a white uh, sort of coat mm -hmm. and put her hair up under a towel and went in with the towels and sat in the Jeez. steam where they couldn't see her for a few minutes just to hear what they're talking about. <laughs> That's fantastic. I love her even more. See what I'm saying? Did you ever sneak into a steam room? What do we, we just go to sleep? But what do we, what do we know? Carol has the most amazing uh funny uh geez what a delight i miss her i'm gonna give her a call when i get off here today see how she's Aww. doing but she's uh you know what i you know when i went to see with carol is i oh christ i've been to two movies in my life with carol one of them was uh the aristocrats oh you really? remember that crazy yeah yeah where, yeah saget going were you on in and it on. <laughs> no i mean no. i never i never made the cut i never make the cut either so don't worry carvey i haven't uh, comedians in cars getting coffee. No, uh, David Steinberg did a comedian show for a while. The Aristocrats. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry, yeah. I'm not on the list or something. I'm but not. I didn't even know about the Aristocrats until um, mm. until I saw the movie, and naturally, say, hey, Christ, I I knew Saget would be good at that. He was psychotic from the day I met him. Mm. There's a couple things I could. Can't even tell about SAG that he said a lot. Oh, yeah. Anyway, so he's <laughs> where are you off to now? I'm going to go take a hike. And uh, wow. what you doing? Did you hike already? No. Today I'm going to go back. We're doing a little work on the film. I'm going to stay Dana's six feet doing away. doing a film with his sons. And we're just playing around with it. We're doing it remotely. The editor is in his house and wherever. Then I'm going to go up to my other son's place and do a weight workout on the deck with him he's got yeah. some weights i'm just i'm just trying to hold it together i don't know how much longer am i supposed to be on the planet i don't know it's been a good run <laughs> now listen are you doing legit weights or are you doing uh, marky mark prison broomstick cinder block no i'm not doing <laughs> cuffs that cut off my blood it's stream such a good vibration <gasps> what are you guys doing it's such a sweet Sexy sound. What you guys doing? Where are you going? What are you trying to do? <laughs> you trying to lift weights? I gotta lift weights. Where are you going? What are you doing? Huh? <laughs> Can't believe I pulled out a Marky Wahlberg. No, it's beautiful. <laughs> we'll be at the Flamingo. We three clowns. <laughs> Coco, Michu, and LeBay. <laughs> I love uh, you, brother. Have Thanks a good for one. jumping in, man. Stay safe. Give my as best they say. to the misses and the boys, and Alrighty. I will see you soon. You too. The great Dana Carvey, and uh, oh, Carvey. Oh God, I'm telling you, when he, um, he's the. I, I'm not a good phone talker, but when Carvey and I talk at least once a week, and I can go for an hour with him, and that's big for me. I and Christian, I, I'm not good on the phone. I get too nervous, and uh, but I feel. No, I'm I'm always afraid to bring up a second topic when I'm on the phone with you because I, I can tell like basically between the second L and the O and hello, you already feel like you want to get off the phone. Yeah, and it's not uh anything except nerves. I just get nervous. Sure. And uh yeah. but with Carvey, I can tell we've broken through to some brotherhood thing over the years where I feel so at ease with him. And nobody, I mean, I'm telling you, there's nothing funnier 
than uh, doing a bad Saturday Night Live uh, like you or Spade or whoever and getting in the car with Dana to come home. We'd go to the party, then we'd get in the car to come home. We'd be drunk by then. And him insisting, no, no, it's not going to catch up, dude. You know, like that dark <laughs> sense of humor. Where I, no, no, you did good tonight. It just didn't seem like it. No, no. Listen, Lorna, you know, Spade, he would be like five years old. He's like an embryo thinking, well, I'd be back next week. He's like, no, no. It's, listen, they take it into account that the first three or four of these might die horrible deaths. And I don't, I don't, I don't. <laughs> he was absolutely oh. torturous. All right, folks, thanks to Dana for joining us. Stay well out there. Thanks for listening to The Dennis Miller Option, exclusively on Westwood One. Tune in to new episodes every Tuesday and Thursday on the Westwood One app, westwoodone.com, and on Apple Podcasts. And remember to rate, review, and share. Until next time, that's the show, and we are out of here.